All right, welcome to another episode of Comic Book Squares. We're going to be talking to another artist today. My name is Shane. I'm Paul. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. Let's get the show started. All right. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, do us a favor. Just give us your name and uh, tell us a bit about your book. Uh, yep, yeah, sure. I'm Nick Bryan. I'm a writer from London in the UK, and my most recent project is Death of a Necromancer, which was on Kickstarter in sort of mid-April, I think, mid-March to mid-March to mid-April, and it's basically a story about the rise of necromancy in a small British town. The idea that there's this chicken restaurant in this, the high street in this town, where you can go along and they'll bring your loved ones back from the dead by sacrificing a chicken and then obviously cook the chicken and sell it as wings obviously the, uh, the business model by itself is amazing um, and, and yeah it's drawn by Rob Ahmed who's a, a great artist that's got a good sort of retro Darwin Cook vibe going on his stuff is amazing and yeah we've got David Cooper and DC Hopkins on Colours and Letters and yeah we funded and it was a, a, a project for like the whole four issue mini series so we're doing we're going straight through it's, it's going to be big Hopefully. Oh, awesome. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I met Robert on the, the Miller World Forum, uh, Mark Miller's old forum, like several years ago now. Um, it had a, I think the forum's gone entirely now, but it had a like creative corner forum or something where artists would post their portfolios and stuff. They're kind of like some of the, I think there are Facebook groups now that do basically the same thing. But yeah, I found Robert on there and we've actually been working together for uh, four or five years, I think. We started off doing yeah. short stories and we did... A couple of one shots, and now, yeah, logically, logical extension. We're doing a whole four issue series graphic novel thing. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so I saw yeah, on your. I, uh... I bet... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. So then, yeah, I recruited David Cooper and DC Hopkins. Yeah, um, I think D David did a lot of stuff with uh, the Scottish writer Fraser Campbell. I don't know if you know him. He's a uh, he's done Alex Automatic and a couple of other things. Okay. And so I saw David's stuff on his work, and then I. I think Robert introduced me to DC Hopkins. He's, I mean, he's quite busy. DC Hopkins. He does a lot of like indie books. I think he's done some of Scott Scott, Scott Snyder's Noctera as well. So yeah, he's, oh. <laughs> he, he's awesome. glad to have him. Yeah. So it sounds like you know through through meeting one person, you meet another, and then you're kind of your team sort of grows from there, huh? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the last few things I've done, it's been, like, people I've worked with before. Like, my other recent thing was Fairy Fair with uh, Rosie Alexander. That was kick-started, like, last year, and that was our second project together as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm building these relationships. You know, I like to... There's a... I think there's something I've heard people say in, like, comics, Twitter and stuff, that you can tell if someone's not an arsehole, if people are willing to work <laughs> with them more than once. So I'm just going to keep <laughs> keep working with the same people again and again until people believe that I'm okay. That's that's the plan. Mm -hmm. so, so then, Nick... Sorry, sorry, Ben. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead, man. Okay. Um, I was uh, looking at your site, and you've got a lot of really cool projects, a lot of a lot of stuff, a lot of content. Uh, so when you, like, do you have just kind of, I guess, in your mind, like, all these ideas, and, and you talked a little bit about your team, and when you find good talent, you know, kind of working uh, with them on numerous projects, do you do you open yourself up to uh, when you have these ideas? Like, what's that process look like when you when you have an idea, Bert, and then try to get a team together to to put it all, uh, you know, onto paper? Uh, it's, I mean, it's a bit of a lot of things. Like, I have a 
a Scrivener document, a like word processor document, which has lots and lots of little sub notes in it, which all have about oh, a lot of them are just full of about a hundred words and some idea I had one day. So a lot of it's just me waiting to pull the right <laughs> thing out for the right day. Like, I mean, for Death of a Necromancer specifically, I actually I had a chat with Robert, the artist, after we did our previous thing, which was and it snowed about a brother and sister oh, being yeah. chased down by Jack Frost, and yeah, we had a chat <laughs> after that, and we sort of he said he wanted to do something in the sort of fun goth Tim Burton vibe that was what he wanted to do next so I sort of uh, spent mo most of like the second half of 2020 stewing on that until I got to Necromancer Chicken Shop nice very cool <laughs> so it is like chicken kind of a shop. <laughs> yeah. so it is kind that's of why it took six months yeah <laughs> it's collaborative then it sounds like for, for you sometimes like where the you and the artists are bouncing ideas off each other or do you come in straight oh, yeah, up I mean, like I... here's the, the here's what's gonna happen I've done both. I mean, I've, yeah. I've like the the fairy fair stuff. I and uh, my I thing before that with Rosie, I, I just sort of sent to her, and a lot of like the Jack Frost thing was just something I wanted Robert to draw because I thought it would look. He's done a lot of like sort of Darwin Cook slash Will Eisner stuff, sort of cityscapes, like yeah. people running around cityscapes. That's something he's quite good at. So I ended up just sort of workshopping this thing for him. So it, it was it was again specifically aimed at Robert, but it, although he didn't suggest it that time. <laughs> I think. I, I think Constraints are good, I think, sometimes. Like, I've, I've been a, a part of a group called The Comic Jam, which mm -hmm. I don't know if you've encountered. It's a, a group who do, like, one-page comics based on a prompt oh. that everyone votes on. And I was, I was in that for ages. I did, I, I'm still technically in it, but I haven't had time to do one for a bit, where they just give you a prompt and everyone does a one-page comic. And it's it's quite a good way to sort of get into the, the mindset of, you know, generating ideas and working up stuff. It's right, Just right. having that, that restriction there. That's awesome. I haven't heard of that one. So uh, how did you? Cool. Oh, sorry, Shane. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just going to ask how how did you get how did you get started in comics? Like when I was looking at your your site, you know, you have so uh, for our listeners and viewers, like if you go to Nick Bryan's site, not only can you find the comics to buy, but he has a whole section of free comics. So like I, I was looking at like all the different one shots and all that. There's a lot of work on there. What what kind of got you like? And, and it's all very like it varies greatly in this in the type of stories and everything so what kind of got you into creating comics was it uh like the ability to be able to tell all these different stories or um like a passion for the for the uh, art form from an early age what, what was it for you um it was mostly probably the, the passion for the art form to be honest like i've been reading comics since i was about nine or ten i sort of started on the uk sonic the hedgehog comics and went oh, on from there. and yeah and it's something I've always kind of wanted to do. I've played with writing prose a little bit, but in all honesty, that was kind of mostly because I couldn't afford to get beat artists to draw comics yet. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it has always been what I've been kind of going towards. So now that I'm able to get it going a little bit, partly because I've, I've been a slightly better paying job, and <laughs> yeah. partly because I've been able to find groups like the Comic Jam where I can, you know, find people to work with and stuff, it's, yeah, I'm trying to go, go for it fairly hard now that I've got a bit of a foot in the door. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing I noticed from going to your site is just the 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 breadth and depth of all of the material that you've created. I mean, you're you're very I'm going to use the word prolific. You know, you just have a, a ton of stuff. It's it really amazing. And you know, one thing I would be curious about is, you know, if you're are you doing some of these simultaneously or do you do one at a time? And and if you're doing it simultaneously, how do you uh, do that where you jump between different books? I mean, I 
I'm doing most of it simultaneously. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is like several years of work sort of slowly bleeding mm-hmm. out. Like I've I've got a couple of other things that are being drawn at the moment, and plus Robert and the others are still finishing off the rest of Death of a Necromancer. But I quite like working on a lot of things at once. Like I, I don't know. I've but I do get stuck on something, or I do find that I've bitten myself into a corner, or I'm not quite sure where something is. I think being able to jump onto something else and come back to it later is, yeah you know quite a good way of getting around it like when i used to just write one novel for two years i mean to be mm. honest you just sometimes feel like you're just stuck in a trench digging endlessly <laughs> downwards until you eventually fall, fall through the center of the earth so yeah make it sound so <laughs> fun it, 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 it is it is but yeah the uh but yeah, being on comics and being on smaller things and being able to jump between them. And obviously, you know, it's the privilege of being the comic writer, I guess. It does take me less time to write a comic page and it does someone to draw it. But yeah, it's something So then with all these... Sorry. With all these different uh, formats and, and media forms and like you said, you know, kind of that crowdfunding piece of it, have you found, like, uh, because you have so much uh, content out, out there already... Have you found much success in um, staying just true to the social and digital world? Or are you actually putting, you know, feet to the pavement and going to local shops or, you know, local, maybe even conventions? Uh, You know, if you could tell some of our our, uh, viewers, you know, what that looked like for you. Um, I tried putting stuff in shops a little bit when I first got started. To be honest, it it was quite... I don't know, it's quite hard work keeping track of all the admin on that, and a lot of times you send stuff out and you don't hear back, and then you chase and chase, so I must have I dropped off that a little bit, but I have been doing at least a few conventions a year here in the UK for a while. Yeah, I've done Fort Bubble, which is like the big show here, which is in sort of the north, sort of Leeds Harrogate in November most years. They're, yeah, I think they're probably one of, they're certainly the biggest sort of comics-only show. Like there's, Aww. and then we have a few big shows which are more sort of, massive pop culture extravaganzas like San Diego or whatever yeah. which, and I'm, I'm taping in one of those I don't actually know when this is going out but the weekend after we're recording it anyway, the uh, 27th oh. to 29th of May I'm tabling at one of the huge conventions in London so that'll be that'll be interesting competing with about 200 <laughs> other comic creators yeah. and the whole well, about 17 first... massive media companies <laughs> Will that be your first time doing a bigger one? Uh, it's the second. Uh, it's the first one. I did the same convention in May 2019, I think, when I, when me and Robert did our first like full-length one-shot, which was The Catalyst, I think. Yeah, uh, we put that out at London MCM and then and did okay. So I'm going back with a, to see if the sort of the I don't know. I'm hoping that doing like the three kickstarters I've done since then, because I started doing kickstarters during uh, COVID, um, will somehow translate to more people coming over or more people sort of seeing going oh yeah i saw it on the internet and coming over and buying it that's the hope yeah yeah um what uh <clears throat> so with the con what would you what advice because you've done a few now it sounds like what advice would you give to other creators who might like want to try out doing cons and stuff like that um i'd say it's a it's a difficult balance to strike obviously because there's a lot of like people a lot of people at cons want to just walk around and browse without being immediately pounced on by the person at the table so <laughs> a lot of the time you just sort of stand there nod a quick hello and then sort of if, if, and then engage more if they engage more with you really. yeah, it's, the, yeah. it's a difficult balance to strike but i after about seven or eight shows i think i'm almost sort of getting the hang of it and definitely have a have one of the little card reading terminal machines which is you know like this thing that I've got here, because yeah, oh. everyone wants to use cards now. There's a lot of that. 
Yeah. You got the you got the nod down now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now I, I I live in London in the UK. It's the, the sort of nod is basically find me method interaction. <laughs> so, mind if I jump in here, Mike? I had a quick question. So I was you know looking through your site and um, you you have a lot of other uh, more traditional. Uh, like hardcover books, it looks like on the site as well. Were those done prior to uh, your comic work? And then I guess my question is, how did you make that transition from doing the other work to comic stuff? Oh, you mean like prose books? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but as, as I as sort of said before, the prose books were something I was partly doing because obviously it's something I had to do without an artist. I've always, I don't know, to an extent been doing prose. I was hoping I could get into comics. The transition was quite... It was quite a slow one because, like, I think everyone sort of says when they're talking about starting off doing comics, you know, start small, do shorter stories, mm -hmm. and then grow slowly from there. So it's a sort of bit of logical progression, I guess. I did, like, the one-page things with the comic jam, and then there's some sort of three to four or five pages stories on the site as well. There's some web some photo comics where I put, like, speech bubbles onto pictures of geese, if you like that sort of thing. Yeah. And then from there, it's sort of... <laughs> one, and then sort of black and white one shots and then color one shots and now a color mini series i'm not quite sure what the next progression is some sort of one man omnibus edition in 3d i think yeah there's not enough <laughs> geese comics out there yeah I, there's a I, I feel like you, you you gave up on that too quickly i think yeah. there's there's definitely a market out there for photographs of geese with word balloons that uh hasn't been you know fully fully explored I mean, I spent about six hours looking at all the three stock photos of geese I could find, and I very much rinsed the source. So, but yeah, I did get a lot of retweets. So you're not wrong. The, the geese audience is hungry for, for comics as well as the meat of geese. Well, I guess where I was going, geese aside, I guess when when you talk about Nick, uh, you talk about reading comics. You know, uh, you know all these different mediums and, and different genres and things. Like, do you because you you seem to be. I mean, your your what's on your radar is very vast. You you have qu qu quite a, a wide scope. So, do you sometimes get inspired by certain uh, people that are just within those certain genres or that sh or that certain media? Or like, is has there been people that you've kind of found as as you've gone along through the different projects that kind of, you know, I've I've heard we've heard from a few other. Um, UK uh, artists that talk about the community and the support. So, like, have you have you kind of felt that or seen that as as you've gone throughout your travels? Uh, and kind of to this day, is is there someone or main people that that inspire you? I mean, yeah, but there have been a couple of sort of collectives and stuff I've been involved with. There was like the Comic Jam again, like mm -hmm. the guys who run that, uh, Casey mm -hmm. Allen and Aaron Miller, they're, they've done a huge amount to encourage both and support like me and like all the other people who come through there. And I've met a lot of artists I've worked with there as well. So yeah, the Comic Jam's an amazing group. I owe them a lot. And there's also a group in London mm -hmm. called uh, Work in Progress or WIP Comics, mm -hmm. which is run by uh, Joe Stone. Um, yeah, I was, I've been a member of them for a few years. I've had stories in the annual anthologies and stuff and yeah it, that's oh, been because especially pre-covid we used to meet right. up in sort of venues in central mm. london and it's you know it's, it's nice to leave the house and speak to other comics people yeah. occasionally because like for because i find a lot of my artists on the internet and stuff the amount of them mm. i've actually met in real life is very very small right. so yeah. <laughs> yeah and obviously a lot of like comics social chat outside of conventions again on the internet so yeah 
whip, whip comics as well, going and actually chatting to other comics people and then, you know, having people to, like, go to conventions with or chat to across tables and stuff. So I'm not just locking up. That's alone. awesome. That, yeah, that's that's awesome. So then kind of to piggyback yeah. on that on that comment then, Nick, um, sounds like, again, when we've talked to certain creators and artists and, and writers and things that um, – you know, you, you just mentioned COVID. I think sometimes um, that forces us to uh, maybe perhaps that uh, pr provides an opportunity, I guess, for us to branch out or for But like you said, you know, sometimes that could be a hindrance uh, where you're used to, to going out and speaking to people in person or, or having these network groups. I mean, do you feel like that actually helped progress some of your work? And maybe it did both. Maybe it progressed some and held some back. I don't know. How How do you feel the last few years has been affecting you as a creator? Um, it's been a bit of both. I mean, on the plus side, I think COVID finally happening did kind of encourage me to sort of get a move on and finally do Kickstarter, which is something I've been sort of getting round to for Ooh. about two years before that. Ooh. And I just, yeah, I don't know. I ran out of excuses not to do it, really. It just... <laughs> Once it a bit, I mean, there were a couple of months where I think people were unsure if like Kickstarter comics were going to still be a thing post COVID. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. once it got to like mid twenty twenty, and it seems to have picked back up and survived. And me and Robert had this Jack, Jack Frost project I mentioned, sort of more or less ready to go. So I, yeah, I thought I would give it a go, and it seems to have worked out. So yeah, but yeah, it has been. Yeah, as you say, it's a lot of it. The lonely stuff has been the sort of social aspect. Like I haven't. The, the whip comics groupings because they're being quite cautious about covid and stuff meeting up in person mm. i haven't really had a an in-person meet up since i gather they might be coming back soon but yeah i've kind of missed that and conventions obviously and yeah it's and just i don't know the general sense of worry does sometimes make it hard to actually concentrate on the writing there was a the first half of 2020 was not yeah, my most productive sure. period oh uh, yeah yeah that was rough for yeah everybody so with uh, so since you had success with Kickstarter and you know it kind of took you a little while to get to get going with it and you finally did one and it was successful, do you feel like um, you have another project in ready to go that you want to do another Kickstarter for? Uh, well, I've done three now. And oh, you succeeded. have done three. So, oh, perfect. Okay. So yeah, I, I at this point I'll probably do a fourth. It seems like the logical thing to do. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've got. Well, I just I just did the um the, the death of an Eclipse one was like four issues rather than just one, mm -hmm. which was. A massive obviously expansion on what i did with the first two and was quite intimidating i'm probably so yeah there'll probably be more i think rosie alexander's coming towards finishing the second issue of fairy fair so we'll probably be back with that hopefully before the end of the year if we're lucky I've the next step is two kickstarters in a year i think i think hopefully that's the next thing to try Dang. well with, with that you know like um what is some advice you could give because we do have other uh, creators listen and 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 watch our show um what advice would you give a creator who's looking to jump into Kickstarter? You've had three successful ones, so uh, you know how. Uh, what can, what, uh, what would you tell somebody who's like, okay, I'm going to take the leap into Kickstarter comics? Um, <laughs> I should have sent you the honest, question earlier. Of... <laughs> <laughs> I'll work it out. Uh, yeah, I think. Do, I mean, do, I mean, in all honesty, doing a couple of comics before you do Kickstarter is very helpful mm. i guess that that i mean but i know that's you know because i i had a bit of money saved i could afford to do that but yeah. beyond that because obviously that builds some level of audience but beyond that like a lot of collectives and groups like i mentioned are very important like kicking off the kickstarters 
to be honest, the most useful thing I probably did was being able to post a link around in a few, like, you know, discords and Slack groups and forums and stuff where people actually, you know, know who I am and have some interest or investment in my success because that did mean I could at least have, you know, the big first day that everyone says you need. Yeah, so you built a community beforehand. Yeah. Well, yeah, again, I guess it's similar to what I was talking about earlier. Yeah, having the community and the people around you and stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously, you know, don't just... (laughs) <laughs> sniff around people in the hope of finding future Kickstarter backers. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I, people I, I, could I, tell I, if you're trying to like just butter them up so you can get them to buy your stuff. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you you can very much tell, especially once you do a Kickstarter and, and you start getting a lot of random DMs about other people's. But yeah, um, yeah, I think a lot of. I, don't, I mean, it is surprising how many people sort of find you just because you're on Kickstarter. Or like, there are a lot of. Obviously, it's very gratifying when names of complete strangers appear in your list of people who just backed. And it is surprising how quickly that starts happening. And then obviously you can then do an update to target those people for your next campaign. And hopefully it sort of snowballs upwards. Mm. That's the the dream, I guess. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what was the... uh, I'm going to pivot. If you guys don't mind, I was going to pivot on another question, which is uh, what was the first story? Because there's a ton of... I guess we keep talking about on your site... There's a lot of different types of stories. What was the very few, if you remember, because you said you've been writing since you, you know, as a kid, what was the very first story you came up with? Or what was your first, yeah, story as a kid? You were well, like, when... this is going to be the, the best thing ever. <laughs> I mean, but when I was an actual child, I think I yeah. I drew a, a very, very bad, like literally unintelligible comic, <laughs> which I think was called... I don't. I can't actually remember what it was about. I'm not really sure it had a plot, but it was. It was called. It was called Fun, At- Fun Attack, and had a lead character called the Fun Attacker because nothing says friendly character like the word attacker. So, yeah. yeah. I. I mean, it's been twenty something, twenty five, twenty seven years yeah. since that was created. So maybe it's time for a, a gritty reboot of the Fun Attacker. Bring back know, Fun I mean, I'll, 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 I'll create a note in my documents and see if it goes yeah, anywhere. Absolutely, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, why not? <laughs> We've talked to some creators who are like, oh, I had this idea back when I was a kid or 13, and then I've just stewed yeah. on it, and then I made it. Yeah. So I'm telling you, Fun Attack, that's... <laughs> yeah, there you go, the Fun Attack. Right? Alone, I, <laughs> I like it. Uh, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. good stuff. I've so, just, oh, go ahead, Shane. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I, I, I was just share mine. I was, oh, yeah. Oh, go, oh, no, I want to hear yours now. Now I want to hear no, no, yours. No, no, okay. now, now we have to know. When I was a kid, uh, oh, my, I had one. It was, uh, I, I called it, this is true, the killer mow lawner. Because I forgot that's not a lawn, it's a lawnmower. I wrote the killer mow lawner. <laughs> the very first uh, little comic nice. I made as a kid. Yeah, about this uh, lawnmower that got toxic waste on it, of course, because it was the '80s, and then it became, you know, sentient. So that's oh, how that. Well, works. there you go. As they do. <laughs> I started, started lawning, lawning, lawning mowers. Yes. Yeah, that's right. As they do, I love it. Well, I just <laughs> you're, you're funny, Ben. I just wanted to kind of, uh, you know, continue on that that path, um, you know, to help our other watchers, uh, you know how they build that up. You had mentioned the idea that 
you can't just go on a social media and start begging people, hey, follow my you know, Kickstarter and help me out and, and support me. How, can you give any advice to them as far as what you've learned over time after doing uh, multiple successful Kickstarters? How do you go at it subtly to get people to support you? I, I, I don't know what maybe other tips that you could you know, suggest that how you do that in a tactful way that doesn't feel like you're begging for, for followers, essentially. Um, I mean, I mean, the sort of the community of people sort of doing comics on Kickstarter is, yeah, just another community that exists. Like, there'll be inevitably people doing, especially like nowadays when there's loads of them, there'll inevitably be people doing crowdfunded comics at the same time as you. And found that, you know, there's a, usually a certain amount of sort of camaraderie, I guess, between sort of people who are crowdfunding around the same time. If you can just like find them and, oh. you know, have a chat, you've obviously got something in common. There's. Mm -hmm. There'll be, there'll be a certain amount of mutual retweeting. There's always other people out there who haven't seen your stuff. As long as you're, as long as it's like reciprocal, as long as you're, you know, hmm. helping them and being friendly, it's not, I think, completely parasitical. Yeah, absolutely. Very, and that's yeah, yeah that's done a lot. For okay, me. all right, very interesting. And you know, real, real life friends do also contribute. Like especially with your very first Kickstarter, there is a certain degree of just you know putting it on your Facebook, and if you get lucky, you answer my back. I mean, it's not. But yes, I mean, especially like again, yeah, first time, like there'll be a certain amount of ooh, Nick's doing this exciting new thing, and by the third one, it'll just be our Nick's doing it again. But yeah, it's right, especially when you're trying to get a foothold, yeah. and, you know, you haven't yet got an audience in place. It's not, it's not nothing. It's still there. Yeah. Well, and and I guess that's what I was, you know, kind of more interested in is like you said, if you're you're going out there and on your fourth one, you know, how do you keep that interest level up and and keep people engaged, especially friends and family that, you know, you've, you've tapped into a couple of times. Um, that, it's definitely a challenge and, and I don't know how you do that. I don't know. I don't think there's, there's probably not a, a hard rule for everybody to follow, but that's why I was just thinking, you know, if you knew any additional tips, but uh, yeah, it's, it's gotta be tricky. That's the, the, the hardest part is, is the marketing of yourself, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, I just did what I, I'm pretty sure all the comics writers have now done and started a newsletter, to be honest. Mm. And, you know, I, I have an email newsletter. I ah. it's, I think the link's still in my Twitter bio. I have a, when I do the Kickstarter surveys to get people's address, I also include a, do you want to be included in my email newsletter question? And if they say yes, I, I load them in. And it's, again, it builds up some sort of existing audience who you can hopefully stay in touch with. I message <laughs> people once a month because I just don't think I have enough comics to justify messaging once a week but yeah i sort of just keep sub level of gentle contact going so yeah i guess it's not complete out of nowhere spam when i come in and go okay and now there's another kickstarter right ah, see right. that uh, yeah so there you go you so see you do have like a newsletter that helps hook them in so that yeah okay that's yeah. that's definitely something that you know people might be interested to to, th to hear about for sure yeah, and, and on that, Nick, you were talking about, you know, how you've kind of progressed um, through the just the experience of, of the conventions and the stores and, and, and the network groups where, you know, you're do you find, I guess, that that marketing of yourself, like, have you have you considered and I don't know, maybe you have done this already. Have you considered again, because it seems like a, amongst creative people. Um, you know, you're just your mind is in a different space than than the marketing side. So have you have you thought about perhaps uh, trying to partner up with someone that that is truly like a marketing genius and to help push you in that space? And maybe you've tried that already. I don't know. Uh, I haven't really mostly because to be honest, most of the available money goes on paying people to make the mm -hmm. comics. I have if I I don't know if I get to the point where I have enough spare money to, you know, 
outsource to Kickstarter marketing. I probably wouldn't <laughs> say no, to be honest. Like I've, I have at, at times considered outsourcing the um, the packaging, the like mm. the fulfillment, because you know it's a lot of stuffing things into envelopes to do in my already quite messy living room. But yeah, it's that, that, yeah, a lot of it is just sadly money, and yeah. it's not you know except particularly fun or uplifting to have lengthy chats about how a lot of it is money but yeah no absolutely yeah. i think it's important that's the thing reality for, for, though yeah. yeah it's the reality yeah. i think it's important for people to hear it for sure yeah it's so, yeah. that, that's interesting you brought up the packaging and stuff like that like that's something i didn't even think of doing a kickstarter like you're there shoving books you know bagging and boarding and putting in an envelope mm -hmm. and sending it out it's like that's yeah there's a lot to it huh yeah yeah no you got Learn how customs paperwork works in a range of foreign countries. Mm. You got to oh wow! Walk them around the corner to the post office and get loads of paper cuts. Yeah, it's a whole, it's a, it's a whole part of it. Yeah, again, it's not the part that gets talked about the most. But right. until you get to the stage where you can afford to pay to someone to fulfill it for you, it's yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, it's important. <laughs> well, you should, you should just just be like, sorry, anybody outside the UK, I'm not, I can't do all this customs paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I'm pretty sure some Kickstarters do do that. I'm sure there oh, are yeah, some. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more to do with the cost of shipping yeah. than paperwork. Right. But I've seen some Kickstarters which are like, no physical copies outside of it. Uh, oh, yeah. We just can't right, do it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I, I think that's mostly cost rather than paperwork. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, like you said, that's a, that's a huge issue is, uh, you know, there, there's the whole making the book, you know, and then there's yeah. the marketing of the book. Then there's the, you yeah. know, getting the book out to get it in people's hands. And that can happen in a variety of ways, whether it's, like you said, packaging and mailing and dealing with all of the issues that come along with that or setting up time and sitting at a convention, you know, for a day uh, at a booth and, and selling your books that way. Or, you know, hitting the, the road and, and traveling to comic shops, you know, all around the area and seeing if you can build relationships that way. It's it's the all of it is people don't realize all the work that goes into getting something out yeah. to the masses. So I, I think it's important to talk about that kind of stuff. And, and I was just going to follow up with that, Nick, uh, uh, kind of what Shane just said, you know, all of those things happening behind the scenes. Um, and we've heard, we've heard amongst the creators, you know, that, that mental health, that mental space where are, am I taking on too little? Am I taking on too much because of all those variables that are that you are executing behind the scenes have you uh have you felt a a kind of both sides of that scale and have you found like a happy medium as far as the the amount of production the amount of projects that you've taken on at one time um probably i mean i mean like i, I said just now i'm probably gonna try and go up to like two kickstarters this mm. year i mean I don't know if i mean I, I i follow some people who i swear to god have a kickstarter basically every other month wow. and you know Good, good for them if they're able to do that level of logistics. Maybe they've just reached a point where they're bringing on, they're bringing in someone to do it for them. I'm not sure, but yeah, there is a, if I, especially if it is still just me doing everything, then yeah, I think, especially because I do, yeah, as I say, I do still have a day job around this yeah. as well. It's not, this is not in any way my full time job. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't, I think there is a limit to what I could upwardly do just to actually do the writing, mm. which is the part I, you know, actually like the most. So yeah, I think. It, it's not just going to keep going upwards forever unless I get to the point where there's actually a publisher doing it. It is probably going to cut well, out. So yeah, you make a good point, Nick, because I think anything that you do and have passion about at some at some point, if you do take on too much, it seems you lose some of that emotional reason why you do it. And it feels more almost like a job than something that you enjoy. At... Well, yeah, exactly. I don't want it, to speak up a chore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. Well, well, very cool. Uh, uh, Ben, we're going to make sure that we put all the links, uh, in our, uh, information below the video. So, uh, yep. people can find Nick's information. And, uh, I mean, this was just a great time to, to get a chance to meet you and, and hear about you and all your work. I, I hope that, uh, this drives some traffic to your, uh, your page and people can find out about your stuff. Uh, it's really, really fun. And, uh, yeah, just hearing about hearing your personality. Uh, I, I hope that people come away from this knowing a little bit more about you and, and can appreciate, you know, your humor in the, in the books for sure. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me guys. It's been fun. It's been our pleasure. Well, this was another great episode. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to hit that like subscribe and notification bell. So we keep bringing you content like this and uh, we'll see you on the next one.